0: What up, everybody? What is good? I am your host, California Cal, and welcome to the Damn Dude Podcast. Damn Dude. We're here to have really just real ass conversations. Keep it authentic. And from what I've discovered from all the interviews I'm doing, I'm kind of like setting up this whole podcast a little backwards. But I did all my interviews. Be- Sorry, I did all my interviews before recording my own first solo episode but what's interesting is because i wanted to kind of like get the feel for what this was about and the best way to like really like categorize this and say like yo like what is this magic that keeps happening like i'm not entirely sure so like let's just fucking go try and see what happens so through that experience this is the damn dude podcast where we have the conversations that need to be had that's what I've discovered. That's the type of conversations that you can expect um, from the Damn Dude Podcast. The reason we call it the Damn Dude Podcast is because we have the conversations in a way that'll make you think and say, "Damn, dude! Damn, dude!" And like I said, for those of you that I don't that don't know me, um, my name is Calvin California Cow, Calvin Cuz Cali Cow Cow Calves Tumness. Coco Bird, Coco, Daddy, Dad. Um, I'm a father, got two kids. I'll get into that. Um, how else do you know me? You could, depending how you know me, you might know me from many like, from many different names. Um, shit, what are some other ones? Quang, Stana, Brolvin, um, did I say Tumness? Yeah, there, there's a whole bunch, and um, it's kind of funny. it's just like depending where you know me from, you know me as, as one of those sorts of names. Um, I grew up in San Diego, California, and grew up in Mira Mesa, Mecca Town. I know Mira Mesa. You know what I'm saying? Mira Mesa. I was living in Southeast for the last while. I know Southeast Dago. Uh, Before Southeast, I was living in Hawaii. I was living in North Shore um, on Oahu. Uh, I lived up in Pupukea, up where the, uh, like right where Sharks Cove is. You go up that hill where that food lands at and that's where I stayed was right up on top of that hill I would drive down in the morning I'd be like smoking a blunt ride my motorcycle and like I would literally see fucking whales jump out of the ocean like in the morning I was just like yo this is fucking something else dude like what did I get myself into (laughs) um prior to that I lived in IB prior to that I lived in Mira Mesa and oh no no I lived in Mira Mesa a couple different times but um then i lived in ib and then before that i grew up in mira mesa before that i come from claremont um so from those those of you familiar with san diego you know what those places are you know I've, uh, i'm an 80s baby i was born in 85 um and like so who am i like for those of you that don't know me i'm california Cal. i'm half chinese half norwegian i just turned fucking 35 years old um the braggadocious, like, cool guy side of me is like yeah i'm fucking i'm i am the product of the bruce lee and chuck norris fight that's how i was born (laughs) um but yeah it's, it's not often that um you get a chinese norwegian type of person um Shit, I'm trying to think where to even start. One thing to know about me is I jump subjects all over. Like, I always was the kid they said, "Oh, he's got ADD, this and that." My parents were always like, "Man, whatever, dude." Like, "Fuck that. I just don't think he's interested in what you're teaching him, really." <laughs> and um, you know, it I, it took me a long time to realize it's not stupid of me to to have my brain jump everywhere. Like, I don't think in a linear, you know, like way that works well for like how they try and teach you in school and shit. So, um, Shit, so one, one thing that you'll notice if you see some of the other trailers or or a, other episodes or anything, depending what order you watch all these in, if you're watching video form, um, I'm going to give a little explanation about why the background's different. And that is because, like I said, this podcast is about keeping it real and authenticity and having the conversations that need to be had. So where I'm at is back at my parents' fucking pad, dude. I'm back in my dad's house, the same house I grew up in. 35 fucking years old my relationship didn't work out um with my girl we have two kids and you know a 15 year old and an almost two-year-old uh nate and royal um yeah and it's like just within this last week our, our relationship didn't work out we had to call it quits and it's like like six years um we're we're together and i'm like fuck man after everything i've done and been through and all of this like i'm fucking right back where i started dude like how the fuck did this happen you know what i'm like you know what i know exactly how it happened if i just look back and like keep it real then i know what happened um the like egoy side of me wants to it, it wants to like start pointing the finger and be like oh well she did this she did that da, da, da. and that's not how it is um One thing about me, I believe in taking personal responsibility for everything and anything that happens in our life. Um, For example, like I've been cheated on in the past, not this last relationship, but just in the past. And for a while, I was like, man, fuck you. But then at the same time, I realized like, yo, it doesn't have to fucking be like, fuck you. It's like once I took ownership of myself and took personal responsibility for myself, I no longer had to blame her so like for cheating on me i i realized that yo i caused my ex to go cheat i i did that myself and it's like well how the fuck you do that you know like but the way i see it it's like well shit i was jealous i was controlling i was um always just trying to like be right i i definitely had the need to be right all the time so like I can see that my neediness, my jealousness, my need to be right really just forced her out of my like realm of love, you know, like the circle of love that I, that I could put off is like, it just pushed her away because I would just, I don't know. I wouldn't, I would need that to feel loved and feel attention and, and, and shit like that, you know? And it's like, I realized that controlling, like not even controlling, but like, uh, I wasn't hardcore controlling, it was more just like jealous, I guess I would say, but like where that comes from is like, yo, like you love me, you're supposed to just show all of that to me and only me, you know, like, and I realized that comes from like not getting enough hugs as a kid (laughs) and like, it's kind of funny because I look back and I think it was like, shit, almost all the shit that we go through and all the problems or anything we encounter or like how we are, the, the negative sides of us, the bad sides of us, whatever, like it usually just stems from shit that that's unresolved as a kid um so damn i could go really deep in this i'm trying to think what direction to take this i want to keep everything somewhat linear but like i said my brain and me i'm just like not the linear type of of dude um so i'm trying to think let's go back here a little bit um it's like what makes me interesting what makes me qualified to to speak and and have a podcast and have a platform and like what what gives me the right to have a voice i guess in a way or like who am i like why should anybody give a shit about what i say you know what i'm saying um and i think like i think what makes me unique well i know what makes me unique is the way that i grew up and the experiences that i've had and my context and perception on life and of those experiences. So I believe in life that, like, we all have the same. I'm kind of taking this from one of my mentors, David Meltzer. Like, we all experience the same level of suck in life on a daily basis. Like, it all averages out. Like, the amount of suck a human can experience is kind of averages out to about the same in our daily lives on a daily basis as adults. Um, Obviously, there's there's circumstances and shit that's, like... You know beyond all that and whatever but um i, I for, i'll i just give a little bit of background about like my upbringing and stuff like that and then i'll kind of get into what i do and uh why i do what i do because that's really important uh to me anyway <laughs> so um so like i said i grew up in Miramesa. mesa i know Mira mesa and shout out to ben baller by the way i jacked these uh little clips of him saying stuff <laughs> that i was like yo that's fucking sick um so shout out to you if I need to shut that down holler at me (laughs) but either way if that's gonna happen you gotta come have a conversation with me um so it's all out of love and respect um shout out Ben Baller he's a big inspiration for for me doing this and um yeah just cool dude anyway um I grew up in Mary Mesa I grew up around in like uh let me think the best way to like timeline this so I, I grew up in like gang culture and to a lot of people and it took me moving out of my own neighborhood and like moving away to really realize that gang culture and gang banging is like not necessarily normal and that and that other people don't live these experiences on a daily basis you know um so i'm gonna get into like why and what led me into thinking gang banging was cool and just like my the, the way that we would think around here so like for one, I was never in a gang, I never joined technically, I'd happen to know people from a bunch of different gangs who I was friends with before they j- joined anything, so why am I even around gangsters at all, so I'm gonna backtrack a, a bit here, and then I'll catch back up to there, and then I'm gonna go forward, we're gonna quit Tarantino this shit, so, <laughs> so, <laughs> so I'll roll with the punches here, Um. so going back, I moved to Mira Mesa when I was, what, like, I was like almost two years old or two years old I was about two and from there I grew up in like I had a little sister I had I had a little sister and I have a little brother who are younger than me I'm the oldest and when I was in first grade my little sister my grandma and my great aunt all passed away in the same month and that was like fucking crazy as a kid dude because like at that time like my parents had me when they were 17 and 18 so like at this time, they were only, like, 24, I want to say, when my sister passed away, and, like, imagine being 24 years old, it's, like, that's not even old, like, I know, I didn't know shit still when I was 24, I still don't know shit, but, like, (laughs) um, like, imagine, you know, you lose a daughter and a mom and a, and a aunt, like, that's crazy for my parents to go through, for me to go through, and, like, that just made living hard, you know what I'm saying, it was, like, life was tough, dude, like, I just, I can't, I'll paint this picture, nothing's really off limits, I feel like, with my life, so I'm gonna just go into everything, if I, if I change subject, I feel like, or if I don't say something, it's not because I'm not willing to share it, it's because I think of something that's more interesting, (laughs) so, um, yeah, so fucking, uh, I'm like, yo i remember so check this out this is pretty trippy too this kind of ties into what i said a little bit ago too about decisions we make as kids um so i was six years old and my little sister died and i'm standing at her funeral and there i am i'm standing at her her casket and my little my little sister passed away right before she was two years old she was almost two um she passed away due to heart problems um and a bunch of other medical complications she had down syndrome she had uh like stomach issues everything and um and she passed away and like i remember standing at her casket and it was an open casket funeral and she was laying there in her little white dress with the little gold like uh glitter glitter things on it and i just remember like standing there and i looked around and normally like i was the life of the party because i'm like this cool little rug rat kid like running around i was all rugged and like had a long ass mullet and i was tough as fuck like i was i was super duper tough when i was a kid that was like my thing like nobody could out fucking uh do more nobody could do more push-ups for them me nobody could bunny hop higher than me or like jump farther on their bike like i was just all like we played tackle football on the street like i was just all about like you know just going hard so like i could really hang with adults when i was a little kid and uh so i remember walking past all my parents friends and my and family and everything and like i'm walking by and normally i'm like the life of the party and this time i walk by everybody and like nobody's even acknowledging me like everybody's just in their own world like obviously understandable like a little baby just died but like you know that just as, as kid me i'm like yo like i'm invisible Holy shit and and my interpretation of that was like yo whenever i see adults like they don't acknowledge each other it's like oh hey yo and like pick each other up and stuff like that like but as a kid that was how i i noticed and acknowledged that adults or sorry that's how i would notice that adults acknowledged kids was like oh hey what's up and it was like a big deal you know and as soon as i wasn't that big deal I everything just kind of like just zoomed back and I'm standing on my sister's casket and I sat there and I looked around and I told myself I just had this moment of like I took a deep breath and it was just me. I'm in this room full of like 100 people, but it's just me. And I remember like it was like everything went quiet and I had this conversation with myself and I was like, Calvin, your childhood is over. It's time for you to grow up. All that stuff is done. And I just remember I told myself that and I made that absolute decision. It wasn't even just like some choice where I could like choose it in and out. No, it was an absolute decision. This is the way I fucking am. And this is the way that it is. And I decided that when I was six years old. So what happened was like going into second grade, uh, so all of that had happened when I was in first grade. So going into second grade, my, I remember, and this ties into like making decisions as a kid. So I go into second grade, shout out Erickson Elementary, by the way, uh, all my Vikings, Leaf Erickson, what's up? <laughs> um, so I'm in second grade and I remember I was just like fucked up, like, and this is actually really like true story i wouldn't talk to i for pretty much the whole year second grade i went silent i would like respond to certain things like yeah no like shit like that at at a max but like i wasn't responsive i wasn't like you know like barely and i wouldn't talk to people i wouldn't share ideas i wouldn't laugh i wouldn't do shit like that you know so i remember i would go around second grade and I would just observe people, and I would see kids playing kickball, and I would see kids laughing, screwing around, doing whatever, I would be, like, in my head, I'm thinking, like, y'all, like, damn, you don't even realize you could be dead right now, like, you don't even realize you're having fun, you know what I'm saying, like, fuck, dude, so, um, I was walking around thinking that shit, and I'm like, yo, these kids, like, don't even realize that life is so like precious you know it could just be taken from us so easily and these other kids weren't comprehending death or life or fun or not fun you know it's just like oh just give me the ball like blah 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 and i'm just like ah, it would just kind of like bug me and i'll walk around i'm like man like oh i'm kind of jumping ahead let me go back and, and touch on something before i get to there so there was something that happened in second grade, which was I I'm in this whole like quiet thing, my brain's just all fucked up, really. You know what I'm saying? Like it's hard to be a normal ass kid after some shit like that happens. And I grew up poor as fuck. So like, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's a whole nother thing. I'll get in another time. But like that and like just where I want to go with this? Like, I don't know, just everything just piled up, you know what I'm saying? So like I'm in second grade. And shit, life's just not easy. <laughs> Going through what I just went through, so teacher calls on me, or she says something like, "Oh, everybody, turn to page whatever and read uh, question number three. So I'm like, "All right, cool, we all turn the page." And back then, like our our workbook, all the all the categories uh, all the sorry, all the subjects were in the same books, like math, English, reading, history, whatever is in the same textbook. So you flip to whatever chapter it was, and then like. teacher said flip to whatever page whatever read question three so i flipped to it i start reading a math problem and we were supposed to read an english problem and i'm like hey you know so the whole class starts laughing at me you know it's just lighthearted. it wasn't like oh you fucking idiot but like the teacher kind of just went like like oh my god like are you fucking kidding me like i said page blah 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 and and made some little comment and but how i took it was like yo you were stupid as fuck so at that moment with the class laughing at me me feeling like i didn't even have a voice or nothing and like go, just going through all of that shit it was like yo like why is this making noise sorry my headphones tweaking um so at that moment i just like i was like i'm fucking stupid And then from then on there, like, from there on out, I would just get bad grades and bad grades. And I was, like, I started being, like, yo, like, fuck school. Like, what is the point of grades, you know? Like, there's life or death out here, and you're trying to tell me that fucking Pythagorean theorem or whatever the fuck you're teaching me is important? Like, yo, dude, come on now. So I was just checked out of school, man, and it was, like, yo, you got to go. You have to go. You got to do good. Blah, 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 blah. And, like... You know, unfortunately, my parents kind of understood. Yeah, I got my ass whooped here and there for it. But, like, I just I just thought I was stupid. So, thinking I was stupid just made me, like, angry. And it made me more angry because of my confusion. And I'm walking around school, like, confused as to how kids are just all willy-nilly. And I'm like, yo, like, shit, serious, this and that. And that's what I'm thinking. And I'm thinking I'm, like, like imagine thinking you're dumb as fuck and life is super serious like that's who i was and that's who i was like walking around in school and whatever was like yo life is serious and i'm really stupid so like how the fuck am i gonna get through this shit you know so that's what i was thinking when i was in like second third grade and like in third grade and this ties back into where i kind of like left off with like gang shit was like when i was in third grade the the school was divided into two sides and like i had a couple older homies who i knew from the neighborhood and like i would go sneak over to the big kid side of the school where it was like fourth through sixth graders and on the small kid side of the school it was like kindergarten through third grade so i would go sneak over and see some of my bigger homies and like you know just whatever chop it up lace me up with game whatever and uh so i remember on that side of the school it was like serious like you couldn't just go over there they would beat you up they'd give you a swirly like literally for those of you don't know what the, <laughs> that is if you're not old school enough is so where they this is real by the way a lot of younger kids when i tell them this don't be like no but like really and like no this is really what would happen is they would hold you kids would hold you by your ankles they would take you in the bathroom hold you upside down by your ankles put your head in the toilet and like dip your head up and down in the toilet as they flush the toilet a bunch of times so your head swirls and that's why they call it a swirly so i remember like that was a real fucking thing i seen that happen to a couple kids and i'm like that shit ain't happening to me so like i started like like i had this like yo i'm dumb blah 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 but at the same time i'm like you know, I I realized, I noticed, I know how to like not get swirlies and I know how to not get picked on. So I kind of put all my energy and attention and focus into like, all right, like, how do I navigate to where nobody fucks with me? And that was where, and uh, that was where I kind of like started, you know, getting this whole perspective. Oh, and just to kind of add to this, kind of paint this picture a little more clear. In third grade, I used to get chased, me and my two friends, Puff and my homie Gerald, shout out you guys, we would get chased home every single day for like a year or two and i can't even remember what grades this was but it was probably like second third grade i know for sure third grade but these fucking sixth graders there was like like eight or twelve there was like eight to twelve of them depending on the day and these motherfuckers would chase us full fucking speed every single day these motherfuckers would get out of class their class was like closer to the outside of the school like ours was way in the back so they would get out first and just wait every single time and we see these guys and be like oh fuck my one homie didn't even speak english and then my other homie was the only other like mixed kid who was poor like me also and it was like we like me and my homie Puff were like the two mixed kids who were like poor and like we both had mullets and long hair and we were both like wild and just like down as fuck like people didn't really fuck with us honestly but, like, <laughs> these fucking guys would chase us home. Well, except these guys. Um, and finally, I'm just like, man, fuck this, dude. So, like, there was a point. We had trained in Kung Fu and shit, and I finally learned enough. I'm like, man, I'm going to whoop some motherfuckers' asses, bro. Like, hell no. <laughs> and uh, I remember we finally fucking stopped and stood these motherfuckers. And uh, sorry, I'm checking my timer. Um, we finally stopped, stood these motherfuckers, and they just didn't do anything. And, I, and they just kept walking, and know, was just like, yo, like, you just it's just a power trip, you know? So, like, what's interesting is I noticed around school, around third grade, when I started going to the big kids side of school and I started getting tired of getting fucking bullied, I'm like, yo, those guys over there, they get hella respect. They don't get bullied. They got the fine-ass girls and they fucking, they just look cool. And that was the fucking gangsters. And who that was was like... I can't say too much, um, it was, it was a first generation of an Asian gang around Mermaids, so let's just say that, and these are some real motherfuckers, and I remember seeing them, I was like, yo, like, they have the same look on their face as I do, and it was, like, pain, struggle, like, and, you know, just this, like, rugged, like, don't fuck with me, like, type of thing, and, um i just remember seeing that i was like yo like you guys look like me and i I was like that respect it just fucking like meant so much to me and like i remember i was they also too because they're like immigrant kids so they'd be wearing baggy ass clothes they'd be sagging i was sagging i had on pants that i would literally fold around like i would fold around myself twice and then tie a fucking belt around that and like so i was sagging because my pants were huge i couldn't afford pants and same with them we're all rocking hand-me-downs and that's why we were sagging our pants but then later other kids started doing that shit so like excuse me um it became like a trend you know it's like what the fuck um but it's interesting because that is what led me to seeing yo this is a way that people are they're like me they they have got that pain they got that struggle they got that hardness um you know what i'm saying and it was like from there i was like yo that's the respect i want that's the attention i want that's the demeanor i want like ain't nobody fucking with me ever the fuck again so you know what i'm saying and that's how i kind of got pointed towards that direction so we're gonna do here real quick we're gonna take just a really really quick break all right what up everybody we're back thank you for for holding tight with us um so check this out so I, where i left off was like i started looking up to gangsters i started hanging around gang gang bleh. i started hanging around gangs and gangsters and all this type of shit so i i worked my way up go through sixth grade uh all the way they back at this time sixth grade all was in elementary school uh that was the last year of elementary school so went to challenger for seventh and eighth grade challenger middle school that shit was fucking wild. I thought I was so fucking cool. <laughs> I remember I was so I was always like the youngest in my class because my birthday comes like right is like it, it was or is the cutoff day for uh for my grade. Like if I was born one day later, I would be in a grade younger. So um why am I saying that? Uh oh, so um so seventh grade i'm 11 years old and i remember i I thought i was so fucking cool dude like i i thought i was fucking just rico suave fucking <laughs> not really but like um I, I would spend like 30 to 40 minutes doing my hair every single day i would fucking just i just thought I, I just took so much time and like i always had girls hitting on me at the time i just thought it was so cool <laughs> like um and I just remember, like, I knew how to fight. So I was, like, really confident. And I was just, like, nobody was really fucking with me. And uh, I remember when I was 11, I first fucking smoked weed for the first time, first made out with a girl for the first time, uh, got drunk for the first time. Like, I just, I was just like, I'm fucking grown the fuck up. Like, well, you can't tell me shit, dude. So then, fast forward, uh, I fucking suck at school. I got kicked out at eighth grade. Um, I ended up doing homeschool in order to stay, like, in the same grade still, so I went to homeschool for n- ninth grade, and then went to Mira Mesa High for 10th grade, 11th grade, part of 12th grade, I got kicked out, I got in a fucking fight, um, it was just all sorts of crazy shit, <laughs> oh, and then, uh, let me think if I'm missing anything, oh, and then, um, like, when I was, so, I've experienced a lot of death in my life, so, there was, like I said, when I was a kid, my 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 little sister, my grandma, my great aunt all passed away, um, rest in peace. And then when I was 15, my second mom passed away, Dorothy, rest in peace. Um, she was like second mom to me, you know, and that was my homie Puff's grandma, technically, and but she was our mom. Uh, she would give us spanking, she would feed us, she would make us sit at the fucking table and fucking, you know, like all that shit. So it was interesting, like I grew up really culturally diverse too um like i said i'm half chinese half norwegian my dad's chinese my mom's norwegian um i grew up with puffs mom as a second mom uh it was a black family so i was like i grew up fucking eating okra collard greens like the whole fucking thing uh you know what i'm saying um listening to like actually good rap music we were bumping fucking x-rated back in like 95 <laughs> um you know what i'm saying shit like that like we were, we were on some cool shit uh What else was I going with that? Um, Oh, and then, so, but when we were 15, she passed away. Dorothy passed away, and that was fucking rough. Um, I also grew up with a Peruvian family and uh, actually a couple different Mexican families and a couple white families. So, like, I got a really good mix of, like, all the different types, you know? Oh, and, of course, Filipino families. I had, you know, shit, what up, aunties, (laughs) uncles, all you guys, you know what I'm saying? Um... So yeah, it's like when it comes to different cultures and stuff, I was fortunate to grow up really diverse and uh so growing up, you know, it's like I kind of had a really good understanding that equaled a lot of street smarts for me cuz understanding different cultures and ethnicities and the way that people did things, I didn't really have to ever like hate on things or question things or like not understand. It was like, "Oh, well, that's how those people handle things." You know what I'm saying? Um so then, let's see, let's fast forward. I get kicked out of high school in twelfth grade. I get kicked out of Miramesa. I end up having to go to fucking HSDP. We called it H slob for those of you that get gang jokes uh around miramesa anyway <laughs> or San Diego National City. Um HSDP because there were uh try not to burn people out. Um so those letters equal what is a gang that was in San Diego back in the, that was in San Diego and if you're a crip you would call different bloods they were blood gang you call them slobs and uh <laughs> trying to think how to explain this for people that, <laughs> that didn't grow up like this um so it's just it's just slang stuff but um so so we called it H slob because whatever anyway um so it was a diploma program (laughs) and it was literally just this little bungalow attached to the side of the whole high school and it was fucked up because i wasn't allowed on the high school i was only allowed in this bungalow and they put a fence right at the end of the bungalow so it's like anytime i would try and sneak in to go see my friends or my girlfriend or whatever it was like the security guards would run up calvin out, i be like, ah, oh, motherfucker. <laughs> or I'd try. I'd have headphones and just walk in Like I'd be bumping music hell loud, and then be like, man, I know you hear me. I know you hear me. <laughs> I'm like, man. Well, then, fuck. Like, go find my girl and tell her to meet me out here. <laughs> so, um, oh man. So I was in. I I was getting into all sorts of trouble around like, uh, the le- the later end of high school. Uh, where do I go with this? So, I got... So, there's a lot of ways I can go with this. <laughs> um, so, for those of you that are familiar with Californians, more more specifically, like, Southern California gang injunctions, it is some absolutely unfair, crazy shit how they use the power of it. Um, it. It's absolutely not fair. Like, I do give it credit that it did get a lot of motherfuckers off the streets who um you probably wouldn't want to come across in the streets but like at the same time it went overboard and it fucked a lot of families and it fucked a lot of people and it basically what happened is they if you got caught wearing a certain color they would drive by pull you over and just write in the system oh you're a documented gang member of this gang so literally i had like super white friends and like nerd homies mexicans you know black friends everything all these different types of people get pulled over and be like get documented as an asian gang member because we're in like an asian crip neighborhood and it was like yo like you know it's like fuck like it's asians here and it's crips here like when you know what i'm saying like what the fuck (laughs) it doesn't even make sense so but what happens is, once they give you that, they're allowed to pull you over and check all your shit for any reason um, from there on out. So, I and I had, like, because we were walking everywhere, and it was like, yeah, half the time I was kicking it with some badass people, but, like, half the time I wasn't, and we would still get gang injunctions on fucking all these things or citations, whatever, whatever. Um, and they would just fucking pull us over everywhere all the fucking time. So, um, what ended up happening was, um, how do I say this also? (laughs) I gotta be careful because it's like some of these people are, can still get in trouble and stuff. So like, I gotta be careful how I say things, but it has been a long time. It's been well over, uh, been like almost 20 years. Um, but there's just certain like gangs I can't say. Uh, so what happened was I ended up. Uh, okay, so I had two friends who were going to fight, who were going to get into a fight with three guys, it just so happens that one of my friends was a crypt, the other guy wasn't, the other three were bloods, and, <clears throat> excuse me, so I, I saw my friend, two of my friends about to fight three guys, so I run up to go back them up, and what happens is, one of the guys from the other side was going to pull out a gun, But then three or no, sorry, two undercovers jumped out of a fucking regular Mustang, regular street clothes, came running out at us with guns. I got fucking tackled to the floor. They fucking uh, put the gun literally to my forehead and um, I got fucked up. Actually, they actually came back like way later and wrote an apology and apologized to my parents in person uh, because they they did go overboard on me. But anyways, what happened was the guy who was going to pull out a gun ended up getting killed at a party a week later. And it just so happened that I had guns into all this trouble to where I was in all these different files and all this other shit. So they ended up finding pictures of me at a party holding guns. And, it, it, uh, oh, <laughs> I realized I kind of just said that maybe with no context. So back in the day, for the, you younger listeners, if you when you would take pictures it was on film and you would have to go take it to like longs drugs or cvs or save on or whatever and get the the film developed and then what they would do is once they developed the film your pictures they would put it in a drawer like and by alphabetical order so you could actually literally go and like pick up and look through anybody's pictures if you wanted to so what happened was the cops are just out looking for or not even the cops but the CIA. Uh, no, not CA, the DEA, the DEA went and was searching through all this stuff, just looking for evidence or dirt on anybody. And they happened to find pictures of me holding guns at a party. And I'm like, and so that they use that as a probable cause to be able to come and like, and fuck with me or whatever. So they came, they raided my house. I didn't have anything because I didn't fucking kill this guy. You know, I didn't even know anything about it. So, they raid my house, and I'm, like, the prime suspect just because of all these, like, coincidences that kind of lined up. Um I was under surveillance for, like, a year, a year and a half, maybe. I couldn't wear blue. I couldn't wear anything with the letter C. I couldn't be hit, caught around certain people. If I was caught with any of these things, it was a one-way ticket to jail. And, like, you know, it was fucked up, like, but i didn't do it i was innocent nothing happened ultimately other than i got my house raided and that was fucking shameful as can be um i woke up to fucking uh dea agents there's like i come out of my my room and like i come down the hallway and i see like tips of barrel uh like the barrels like the tip of a gun all all around the hallway making like a like a circle almost i'm like what the fuck and my dad was kind of like like not freaking out so like i'm like okay like what's going on and like i come out they're all fucking pointing rifles at me i'm standing in my underwear and wife beater and fucking they're like put your hands on your head blah, 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 and they made me sit there and i don't remember if i got i remember they gave me the option to get cuffed and i was like bro like i'm not going anywhere i don't have anything they fucking tore my whole fucking room apart dude um saw so that happen got accused of murder um within the next year or two i fucking what happens there's all sorts of fights all sorts of this and that um so i end up which way we're we going with this so i have a bunch of jobs i my main jobs that i would have was always like sales types of jobs i used to work at aqua magic massage where it's like little massage booth uh in la Jolla village square i used to work at sears in utc um, I was making commission there. I was getting paid four fifty four $4.50 an hour plus commission. And I was making loot until uh, Sears and Kmart merged actually. Um, I was ma- I was averaging like 26 22 to 26 dollars an hour as like a 17-year-old. That was fucking loot. Like that's more money than a lot of people even make now, you know. Uh so that was pretty cool. Then from there, I got a sales job at Fun Bike Center um that was the craziest job with the craziest people i've ever met in my fucking life and i would not change it for anything shout out to my fun bike people you motherfuckers 06 07 era fun bike i mean maybe for some of you vets there were some crazier times but yo that was like the last of like an era dude like you could fucking do anything you wanted <laughs> As long as you brought in some fucking money, dude. Like, oh man, that I I I should dedicate a, a whole story or a whole podcast episode to just Fun Bike Center stories. I'm telling you, damn, dude. <laughs> Anyways, we'll get into that another time. Um, so. Oh, okay. Just so I don't forget. So then after that, I worked at uh staples. And then after that, I, and then I've been working for myself ever since then. So what I'm gonna do is go back just a little bit. We're going to go back to like 2006, 2007 at phone bike center. And I know I said I was going to tell stories about this later, but, um, this just is the time period. So I'm not really telling a story about it, but, um, this is more, uh, personal and pretty fucking cool actually. Um, So, in 2007, right before Halloween, actually, October 2007, um, I broke my skull, neck, and back, and so what happened was I flipped my quad out in the desert, and I broke, I I realize, I say this so casually now, because I realize I tell a lot of people, and they're just, like, used to my story or over it or whatever, so, like, to make sure I really paint the picture for you guys, um, I don't just paint pictures, I picture paint. (laughs) <laughs> i'm just kidding i don't know that's kodak black says so that um so i broke my skull neck and back i flipped my quad out in gordon's wells out in the dunes probably off like a i don't know like six or twelve foot drop but me and the homies shout out broughton shout out brodo ryan um we were fucking mobbing right we were like jumping these whole things most of the time people just go up roll over sideways and then like go down it and we we're just fucking launching these things like fourth gear like fucking smashing like fourth gear on a 450 quad is probably like 50 like well like halfway through four. halfway through about fourth gear is like about 55 miles an hour or so so we're like mobbing these things and um we're fucking jumping and right before i hit one there's like a hump and then the jump and it like caused the quad to like buck And like the back, like the ass end of the quad swung up backwards. Like it did a front flip. I thought I could save it because like I'm a pretty experienced rider. And I was like, sure, like I started pulling it back and leaning back and giving it gas. And like it was just the impact was just or the force was too much. And it just flipped. And I was holding on to the quad. So imagine you turn how you sit on a quad, turn the whole thing upside down add 55 miles an hour and 12 feet of air and fucking stuff that head first into the ground into the sand that's what happened to me um i snapped my skull neck and back in eight places right when that happened i heard it all go and i jumped up and i fucking ran in a circle like a chicken with his head cut off and then i just collapsed and i'm like yo <laughs> holy shit like what the fuck just happened And every time I get up, like I said, I'm always, like, really tough. Like, I get the fuck up. Like, there's no holding me down or stopping me from shit, you know? And I'm like, I can't fucking move. I can't fucking move. Like, no. And I just refuse to believe that I couldn't move. And it's like, well, what the fuck does that mean? Well, what that means is, like, I couldn't fucking move. I couldn't move my fingers. I couldn't move my arms, my legs, nothing. I couldn't. I just. I couldn't do anything. It was just my brain was the only thing that was working. And I just sat there. I closed my eyes. All these people came around. Some drunk dude pulled up in an old school rhino, jumped down. I was like, "Oh, bro, you all right, man?" Like, I remember. Oh, so just to. Uh, make sure i throw this in there i remember i was wearing a camelback backpack and it was filled with like water and tools and whatever oh and beer and weed and like <laughs> so i remember i was like ah, help, help!" it was the only time i had to scream for help in my life and it was because my back was like arched up because my backpack was on my back and it made my head fall backwards and i just felt like i was like gonna die like every millisecond that went by and finally this drunk ass dude that jumps out of the rhino and this was before my friends could turn around and and see me uh or they had like just turned around and this guy was like get my fucking backpack off he helps me take the backpack off and i just lay there and i'm just like i can't feel anything dude and i'm like oh my god like this is it this is my greatest fear and that literally was my greatest fear was to break my neck or to like uh be paralyzed or like some shit like that so I'm laying there I'm like I just close my eyes and there's a by this point there's a bunch of people circled around me my homie Burton's like bro get up like Ryan's like come on bro like you can you're cool man get up you know and like Broughton, my motherfucking boy shout out Broughton, I fucking love you dude um he's like he's also one of these people who's just like all his heart is always willing to help and he's always like he's just a fucking great person, and he's also one of these people who's just a tough-ass motherfucker, like, he, he, he's a tough motherfucker, like, you're not, he's not gonna stop, you know, he understands, him and I recognize that in each other, it's like, yo, bro, like, I know you're gonna fucking get up and keep going, you know, no matter what, and he was like, bro, get up, man, come on, let's go, and I was like, I can't. And he didn't even question me, which I which I thought was weird because he's like, he's a tough motherfucker. You know, he's just like, whoa, it's like that. And I'm like, yeah, bro. And he's like, fuck. And then I forget if it was him or Ryan was like, well, shit, what's in your backpack? Let's go hide it all. So they <laughs> they dug a hole and buried all my beer and we did, buried the weed or whatever in the sand. They took whatever they could and like, and they fucking carried my bike back to camp and brought it back home. Uh they were about to drive out to Arizona for me, all this shit, man, like, I'm forever grateful for that, man, like, that was, man, um, Broughton saved my life, and, uh, he is, he's gonna be a guest on the show, and we actually have that one recorded, we just did that just a little bit ago, um, you guys are in for a real fucking treat, because it's not every day you meet people, uh, like him, so, yeah, uh, oh, and speaking of guests, we're gonna have some, Fucking ill ass guests on here. We already do. I just been loading up the vault with fucking timeless classics. Now, mark my words when I say timeless, because these interviews we're having and these conversations we're having, like I said, they're, they're the conversations that need to be fucking had. You know what I'm saying? Um, a lot of us don't grow up with like dads or mentors or somebody to just fucking talk to us or a bigger brother or something, you know? And it's like, or just no big homies or something, and it's like. If you didn't grow up with that, and you didn't join a fraternity, you didn't join the military, you didn't join a gang, you didn't you didn't have that type of experience, like I think this is perfect for for people like it, that fall into that category as well. You know what I'm saying? Because it's like we need to have these conversations, and we all feel the same shit. You know what I'm saying? Like and i think that there's a level of emotional intelligence that we can bring forth and like really fucking participate in and share and spread like i've been on some crazy shit in the past couple years so like i'm trying to think um oh okay so going back to the story um i forgot i'm timelining shit here i can go off on a million different things (laughs) um so what happened i broke my skull neck and back what ends up happening is i'm gonna just throw this into a, a a quick summary version and then maybe jump into a little if i need to um so i'm 20 years old my two best friends get murdered oh well, sorry let me rephrase this i'm 20 years old my one best friend's get mur- my one best friend gets murdered shout out john 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 O'Dell, i love you rest in peace i break my skull neck and back oh and i'm two months away from being a firefighter i'm I, that was where i was going to be i was gonna be a firefighter i was that fucking close from finishing training And I break my skull neck and back. I find out my girl of five and a half years gets pregnant by somebody else. Uh, While I have a broken neck, my best friend got murdered right before this. So, and I got fired from my job. So I have a broken neck and I can't really fucking walk. I'm just like bedridden. I have a broken neck. My two best friends got, I have a broken skull neck and back. My two best friends got murdered. My girl cheated on me and got pregnant by somebody else. I just dropped out of school and I just got fired from my job. Damn, dude. Like, what the fuck? You know what I'm saying? Like, I was 20 years old. Like, what the fuck? I thought I'd already seen everything by the time I was 11. I thought I'd already... Shit, no, I thought I'd already seen everything by the time I was 6. Then I thought I'd seen everything by the time I was 11. Then I thought I'd already seen everything by the time I was 15. And then 20, I'm like... I am grown the fuck up, dude. Like what the fuck like life cannot be or get any worse. <laughs> like, how can it? You know what I'm saying? Like, like what the fuck else can happen? You know what I'm saying? So like it's crazy, dude. Like uh oh, I realized before I forget this, I should jot this down. How it ties into being a kid and the decisions we made. Um so fucking um so i go through all of that i it actually and so i'll I'll get into this too and because this all turns really positive um so all of that happens i'm dealing with that and what's crazy is me and my friends the life we were living we had conversations like bro like i don't think i'm gonna make it past 20 years old like this life we're living this route we're going like is just i don't see how you know and it's crazy because my two best friends get murdered at 20 years old and i happen to be alive like the fuck why am i still alive and why am i going through all this torture like the fuck is life doing to me you know what i'm saying and um and my second best friend who got murdered pablo spider um pablo tafoya rest in peace homie uh little dreamer what else you know him as pubes fuck man that's my motherfucking brother um tatted on my arm and everything you know what i'm saying and my sister i got all sorts of people but like anyway um oh man like we were just we didn't we were going down a fucking crazy ass lifestyle i'll tell you that uh my my homie pablo ends up getting murdered in little italy over 20 dollars worth of weed which is fucking mind-blowing to think now it wasn't even his own weed um I, i'll get into that in a whole nother story and it's crazy there's like fucking more than 20 dollars worth of weed in this little jar even fucking right here you know And it's like my fucking best friend lost his life over that it's crazy um like i said that's a whole nother story I'll get, I, i'm not afraid to get deep in the shit um it's, oh that was pretty good timing um so what ends up happening is like i need to recover bro like fuck i'm all fucked up so i have my broken neck I was in the hospital for three days and I was on some Tupac shit. Um, Oh, so when I was laying, sorry, like I said, I'm all over the place. When I was laying there with my broken neck in the first place, I was like, toes, come on toes. I remember what it feels like to use you. And slowly I just brought attention and awareness. And I'm like, I refuse to believe that my toes and legs would not work anymore. Um, This might sound crazy as fucking out there, but this is just what the fuck happened. Take it as you want um, and I just kind of, like, thought life back into each piece of my limbs, and somehow they fucking started working, so on my third day of the hospital, uh, I'm gonna have to get into that story, too, because that fucking goes hard, my broken neck story, like, in detail, um, I got to fly on a helicopter butt-ass naked, by the way, my only helicopter flight was butt-ass naked with a broken neck, um, <laughs> well, I guess that's a whole other story, um, so i'm like in the hospital day through by the third day i had already been sneaking and sneaking to get up and like shuffle to the bathroom i was like just practicing teaching myself to walk again and they're like you could die if you move blah blah blah. if you fall i was like man fuck this dude like i didn't die on that jump like i'm not gonna if i die fucking walking so be it dude i don't give a fuck so i just fucking i forced myself i taught myself to walk again and like i would just practice when everyone when the nurses were sleeping and i'll walk to the bathroom walk back walk to the bathroom walk back and it was fucking sucked but like i managed to do it and i would hold that little rolling thing with all the ivs and shit in it and like um by day three i was out of that motherfucker and i came home um yeah so let's take a quick break on that note fuck man that's some crazy shit (laughs) We're gonna get into some even crazier, deeper shit, and we're gonna even catch back up on modern times. But, um, I want to kind of keep this sort of timeless, so I don't really want to jump into current events. Not today, maybe I don't know, but uh, (laughs) we'll see. We're gonna take a quick break. Um, we'll be right back. We're back, but you know what? Give me one second. I'm gonna smoke a bowl real quick. I'm gonna let's play you some uh theme music here, real quick. This is our intro song, by the way. So, enjoy. All right. <sighs> All right That's what it is I got some uh, fire ass weed From my brother on my, uh, for Christmas Shout out chimps um <laughs> all right, so what I'm gonna get into. I had so much shit that I had written down in my notes and like done practice episodes for, and I just scrapped them because like it came off too like rehearsed feeling or like uh like I'm trying to stick to an order. And as soon as I like stopped following the order, like when I'm listening back to the old podcast, as soon as I stopped listening to that order, uh and I started like just kind of like free flowing like the podcast just got way more funner so i decided to just start this just right off the bat like fucking i don't give a shit if it's all over the place or like my intro of myself or fucking stuff i wanted to talk to like got glazed over because i'm gonna get into that and it'll come out in different episodes and uh, different interviews and and shit like that um oh so before i touch start diving into like what i do and why i do what i do i'm gonna talk about um Oh, let's talk about some shit i'm into what am i into well i love fucking rap music west coast rap music um bone thugs and harmony is my favorite fucking group crazy bone specifically is my favorite artist crazy bone nate dog um crazy bone and nate dog are probably my top two favorite um i love fucking west side connection mac dre andre nicotina i love fucking texas rap oh my god um Fucking UGK, you know what I'm saying? Bum B, Pimp C, rest in peace, Pimp. Um, fucking Slim Thug, fucking Paul Wall. Uh, old school Riff Raff. Before Riff Raff got famous, when he was doing shit like fly, like fly red dragon on a stretch pearl rug, like when <laughs> when he was also like, oh, I. If you don't know, I can't explain to you. Like you can't even find this old shit on the internet anymore. Um, but uh, that's not like a great example of Texas rap. But like, <laughs> um, now I could go on. You know what I'm saying? Like fucking zero. Uh, um. You know what I'm saying? Like I don't know. Anyway, even fucking Mike Jones. Mike Jones era was pretty hard to be honest. Um. Yeah, like little Kiki. Like, like I can. I know all the. You know, fucking. Underground shit too you know what I'm saying um I love me some fucking s p m south Park Mexican I feel like that fool is Mexican tupac um what else let's see fucking I'm forgetting a lot of shit of course grew up on like d p g fucking daz corrupt uh, all the snoop shit fucking m c eight you know what I'm saying all of that um I'm also into like all the white boy music too you know what I'm saying but like i'm particular about it it's got to be like kind of more like hardcore type of feel i'm using that term wrong um i don't know i guess for example i would like like system of a down fucking suicidal tendency sublime um red hot chili peppers you know say some shit like that uh on another tip like fucking knuckle bear and medicine for the people knuckle bears fucking goes that's some beautiful fucking music um shout out to Nako. maybe we'll have him on the podcast someday i got to meet him actually i think twice um anyways and then uh that's for like old school rappers for new school rappers oh man i like new school rappers to be honest not all of them but like a lot first 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 that comes to mind is the homies um and you'll see these fools they're fucking everywhere um uh, let me think here real quick i don't what do i want to say um, I guess I'll just shout out people. And fuck, look at, be on the lookout for Cashy Cashy SD. Um, at Cashy SD. Uh, look out for Dana Marr, at Dana Mar A M A R uh, D A N E. Um, the the like, those are my people, and they're fucking on the motherfucking come up right now. <laughs> um, and no, I, I slap their shit all the time. Um, fucking outside and that that's like san diego uh outside of that and like i said we can go deep into each one of these subjects i'm just kind of like going off whatever's off the dome right off the dome piece um oh shit i forgot to set the timer um and then like so oh and then more like mainstream would be like i like kodak black i've been slapping the shit out of kodak kodak black lately um kodak goes fucking hard dude he got bars holy shit um and then of course mixtape wheezy fucking i like any of the carters any of the droughts um those are all good um what else oh new school what am i thinking that's new school king lil g king lil g is one of the absolute realest rappers of all fucking time if you say there's no real music anymore go listen to king lil g cold christmas that's king lil g cold christmas just go listen to that shit um i never met king lil g but i would love to smoke a blunt with him have him on the interview on the podcast someday um what else i'm in the fucking bmx bikes old school bmx bikes though uh like 80s gt's uh early 90s even you know like horos and uh you know what i'm saying there's all that shit um that's a whole topic and conversation on its own too um what else am i into oh motorcycles obviously i fucking love motorcycles dirt bikes street bikes three-wheelers quads uh fucking anything um what am i riding right now currently is for the dirt we've got uh we got a two-stroke we got a yz250 a Yamaha YZ250. That is, it's ported, polished, piped, uh, jetted. That motherfucker is the, f- one of the fastest bikes I've ever fucking touched in my life. Actually. It's so stupid, scary, fast. Like I don't know. It's something else had to have been done to this thing before I bought it because it's absolutely fucking terrifying. <laughs> um, so we got that. We got a XR80. My my son rides. We got a Kale uh, Oh, that's a Honda XR80. Those you don't know. We got a Kawasaki KLX110. Uh, that was my little man's first bike. Um, my got we got a little pit bike that's broken. We got a uh, an eighty four Honda ATC250R. Unfortunately, it's the air cooled one, but it's still a fucking pretty illmatic Um, it's really clean. We got, we got another one called a, the Deathmobile. It's like a Yamaha, how, how is like I want to say like X, T, or I T, I don't even know. It's like one of those weird old school ones, but it's a fucking two-stroke with a twist throttle and no suspension and balloon tires. It's called the Deathmobile because every person outside of our family who's ever ridden it has gotten fucking jacked up, <laughs> um, and then we've got. Oh, my pops has got a. Uh, I want to say it's like a seventy, a seventy something, a nineteen seventy something Honda, um, CR two fifty Elsinore. That shit's crazy. Unfortunately, it's fucking seized, but um, I mean, it's a two stroke. It's not shit to get rebuilt, so we got to do that. Um, what else am I into? I would say I'm also. Oh. I fucking, so what I do and what I'm into and where this story actually picks up off of um, from after breaking my neck and all that, I was working at Staples, oh no, sorry, before I started working at Staples actually, so I was at Bike Center and broke my neck and I'm at home and I'm just like all fucked up and my homegirl ends up hooking me up with a job actually, but before that job, I'm there with my broken neck and me and my mom are in the kitchen and we're just chopping it up and it's like dude, like, we need to figure out fucking something to do, man, like, we need a new, because she needed a new career at the time, and, like, I need a new career, and it's like, man, like, I don't, it's like, what are we gonna do, like, I was gonna be a firefighter, you know, like, I want, it's always been in my heart to help people, and to have that kind of, like, taken from me, it felt like, I was just like, "Mm, man, like, I'm not gonna be a firefighter, I don't even know what to do, you know, so, we come up with this idea of, like, Yo, like, we can teach babies how to swim and save their lives and find out that, yo, like, drowning is the leading cause of death for children five and under. Or, sorry, it's the leading cause of accidental death for children five and under in the world. Five, like, in the world. And the statistic is actually it keeps growing, but when I first started, it was something like, I want to say like 46 or 47% of adults in the world can't swim. Now the statistic has jumped to something like 52 or 55% of adults in the world can't swim. And I know statistics are just fucking whatever. But like in my personal experience, I feel like pretty much about half of my clients that I have um, do not know how to swim like uh, adults. Um, so, oh, so sorry. I'm like, whoa, dropping stuff Okay, sorry, I'm dropping my phone. Um so what I do, so what we did was we put our heads together. It's like, yo, let's teach babies how to fucking swim and save their lives. So what we do is we teach babies as young as 6 months old how to swim and save their lives, um and how to float roll on their back and be able to swim and float and swim and float, and all of our kids pass the fully clothed skills test by the end of their swim session which only takes like a little bit over a month it's about like six to eight weeks typically so it's like a month month and a half or sorry not a month and a half like like you know say a little over a month um so well it's like a month to a month and a half two months sometimes even in a month so it all depends on the kid you know but um it's crazy because we're able to so it's like yo like we can save people's lives by doing this so we kind of came up with that idea and as we're like getting it ready and perfecting technique and, and just kind of like honing our craft. We, I, I start working at Staples. My homegirl hooks me up with a job and like, it was cool. Cause all my friends worked there and it was like, it was just a fun time, you know? And like, at the same time I said, I was starting this business on the side. And, uh, so this is 2008. We get started in 2008 and um it was October, no november no yeah it was november 2008 and i had like just like full kind of like fully healed back up from my broken neck and i just started like kind of like exercising a little more and started like you know like really like living life again um and so I'm like working this business on the so I'm working at Staples and I'm trying I'm trying to start this business on the side and it's like it's fucking hard man like it's hard to paint a picture of what I really do without you like being there and seeing from like beginning to end you know and like how how deep this is and how like emotional it is for parents and then like at the end like I, or so like how much fear we we push through as a team you know and then at the end like your kid has life-saving skills and the family has peace of mind and it's fucking incredible. So, like, that's what we do, and it's called Fin to Swim. So, what we do is like, just fucking teach babies how to swim and save their lives, help adults overcome their lifelong fears, and you know, what I'm saying that's that's what we do, and provide peace of uh, peace of mind to families. And it's like, yo, I fucking love this, man. So, I've been doing that for the past eleven years now, cause it's 2020 right now. It's December 2020, so it's been. Damn, I didn't even realize an anniversary of it just happened. I Yeah, that makes 11 years. So uh tsh, fuck, man. You know, wait. Is that math even right? <laughs> Hold on. I'm I'm tripping. From 2 from 2020 to 2020 minus uh 2008. Oh, 12 years. Holy shit. It's been 12 years. I'm tripping. Yo, It's been 12 years. I've been doing this for 12 years now. I would, I can confidently say I'm a master at my craft. Um, when it comes to teaching babies and teaching people how to swim and overcome fears, I remember I didn't learn how to swim till I was like 11 or 12 years old. So I can actively remember what it's like being afraid to swim or to jump in the deep end or to like trust that I can float and, or stuff like that, you know, um, so now, what I do is like we've slowly been evolving the business just over time, you know. And now, and my mom actually retired last year, so it's actually just me now. And um, I've just been developing and and trying to shape this in a way that that works best for me, you know. I'm like, I know this is dope as fuck what I'm doing, but there's like got to be a better way where I could reach more people and do this in like an easier way. So what I'm doing is a lot of times is um, I'll sell swim packages and it's like it just makes it hassle free you know And it's like yo, know, you just pay this once and you don't ever have to worry about charging it this and that every month week whatever And it's like um because i know how long it takes we can sell that you know we can sell that package and then we can s- sell it with a couple extra weeks on it to like um you know just to teach some skills out or just to keep the skills fresh or refreshers or you know however you want to call it maintenance classes um And so that's what we do now. And what I'm doing, what I'm looking to do is just kind of shift that to really higher end clients and higher end um, packaging. I'm just not kind of learning about all this, you know, like I've been in business for 12 years and I still don't know what the fuck I'm doing. I don't know anything about business. I don't know anything about, I don't know anything about anything, honestly, but like (laughs) that's not true. I know some shit about shit, Um, but I'll never pretend to know something that I don't know. Um, that's one thing you can, you guys can always like trust for me, excuse me. So like, um, yeah, dude, it's, it's pretty trippy. I think that, um, let me think. So how do we catch up all of that to like where we're at now? I would say that like, yo, why? Hmm so this is kind of funny I just I'll I'll go into my ego real quick I'm big on jumping into like some really deep shit sometimes um I'm definitely like old school like don't fuck with me at the same time I'm like yo I love you I got love for everybody I even got love all tatted on my face in case you're wondering uh for those of you watching video what that says um and yes, I tattooed my face without a SoundCloud career. <laughs> Wait, I actually, this might be found on SoundCloud, so shit. <laughs> um, oh, where was I going with that, dude? I'm tripping. Oh, so like, I'm into spiritual shit. I'm into fucking plant medicines. I'm into meditation. Um, I'm into just fucking whatever scares me, do that. And this podcast scares the shit out of me. Every time before I get on camera, I freak the fuck out and um so i've done things like go to the middle of the jungle in peru in the middle of the fucking amazon like 5 hours deep into the amazon jungle and like worked with tribes and shamans and i have family out there you know what i'm saying like the, those people are my family and where we just would do crazy fasts and do ceremonies ayahuasca ceremonies um you know what i'm saying i'm super into that i believe that all these plant medicines are ancient technology and it's a means of accessing certain information in in a certain realm and and accessing certain energies and stuff like that so you'll hear me jump in dive into stuff like that um i'm not afraid to fucking sound crazy on some shit but at the same time i do like to explain like where i'm coming from with it (laughs) um so you'll hear me talk about my ego or whatever like how i'll come from my ego or i'm coming from an authentic place and it's like I believe that like those are two definite places that we can come from and i'm a man of simplification i always love to simplify 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 especially when it comes to ideas or uh my lifestyle or the way i think or what i believe so what i've boiled it down to is like we either come from love or fear and those are the only two places that i believe we can come from um because i went back and did the math on my whole life i was like yo if i apply coming from love or fear in every single thing that's ever happened in my life, I'm like, yeah, I can see how I was coming from love or a place of fear. And, um, so where that leads me to is like, okay, so why do I think I'm cool? (laughs) You know how people be like, Oh, you think you're fucking cool? You know? Like, so that, that would be like the ego side of me. Like why I think I'm even fucking cool at all. Like, like what stroked my ego? You know what I'm saying? Like what made me think I'm fucking cool is like, I guess you know being in business young making money young um that made me think i was really fucking cool (laughs) i really wasn't making real money because i'm still not making any fucking real money but like uh for a young you know being young is like yo this is some fucking paper dude so like you know well shit yeah going from making like 175 bucks a week to making like all of a sudden like Five thousand in a week and i was like holy shit and you know it wasn't consistent but it was like here and there that would happen and i'm like yo this is fucking sick so um so there was that i had money i I could kind of just buy whatever i wanted and then or you know to a degree and then i ended up dating this really hot older rich girl and fuck she was really hot but um (laughs) that's besides the point Well, no, it's not besides the point. This is what what stroked my ego. She was super-duper hot, super-duper rich, and she was one of those, like, untouchable, like, unicorn of a woman. Like, my other friends would, like, female friends described her as, like, intimidatingly hot. Like, she's intimidatingly gorgeous. And she let me drive around in her fucking brand-new Beamer. I was driving a 7 Series Beamer or a brand-new Escalade. Keep in mind they're not mine, but when I'm pulling up on my homie to buy a fucking sack, like... (laughs) and i'm in a brand new beamer and i got this fucking banging ass chick it's like uh bro like yo that business is good huh (laughs) and it's funny because it's like i will be like well yeah and i was like well shit i'm selling weed and i'm fucking running this business and you know and oh so like so then i quit that department that staples job like after i worked there for maybe like almost two years, I was, like, one of the longest jobs I had, one of the longest jobs I had, actually, so, um, I quit that eventually, oh I, was ha- oh, I should get into that, that's pretty important, I was having fucking panic attacks, so, so much so, like, air, like, anxiety attacks, which would lead to panic attacks, and, like, the walls would start closing in on me, you know, just be like, oh, and I'll turn hot, and I'll turn red, and I'll start fucking sweating, and, like, I'm just, like, super hot-blooded, naturally, the way I am, you know, I'm, like, my blood comes from Mongols and Vikings, like, legitimately, (laughs) so, like, I'm just hella hot-blooded, and, like, I don't have a hot temper, but I'm, like, I'm hot-blooded for sure, and, uh, the fuck was I saying? I totally spaced it out. I don't know, fuck it. (laughs) Um, so, okay, so, like, oh, okay, so, like, what was stroking my ego? So, there was that, and I was making loot, I was fucking, selling a good amount of weed at that time back when it was still like super illegal um i could afford drinks whenever we would go out i could afford all of that oh i was talking about uh having panic attack this yeah this is important to add to the story um so when i'm working there like at one point eventually i was like i freaked the fuck out they're like we have a mandatory meeting and they called us into this fucking small ass room and i'm just like oh in the <laughs> like because the walls just start closing in on me and i'm just like <gasps> like i thought i was gonna die dude like i felt like i was in jail and i fucking just start sweating and freaking out and i fucking run out of the store um oh just to add to that what i was gonna say was you'll see in some of my interviews i get nervous because it scares the shit out of me doing these interviews and, and being on film talking it scares the fuck out of me so you'll see there's a good handful of times where i start sweating or turning all red or like and oh if you're watching the video and that's what's going on. I'm like, something triggers me to, I'm like, oh no, like there I feel like naked almost, you know? Um, anyway, uh, fuck, I keep forgetting what I'm talking about. <laughs> oh yeah. So I was having panic attacks. I freaked the fuck out. Um, so I just, I just left and I didn't fucking talk to anybody until I eventually, they were like, okay, you can take a leave of absence and fucking a hell, a hell amount of time went by. and I'm just like, Nah, man. Like, I can't go back there. I just can't. So, eventually, I didn't answer any calls from anybody. Like, I just kind of. It was pretty fucked up. I burnt the whole place. I feel bad. Like, I shouldn't have done that. But, like, at the same time, I couldn't fucking help it, dude. I was losing my shit. So, a bunch of time goes by, maybe like a month or two. And I'm like, I have a choice here. Like, I could either go back and do this job i hate it like my friends had stopped working there they transferred out we got put on different shifts so like it just started to suck you know i'm like yo like i was i'm only here for so long because my friends are here and like it was a trip you know what i'm saying so i hated working retail i hated being told what to do i hated being told when when to be there like i would literally only get paid enough to drive home and back and eat maybe like two meals a week that cost like ten dollars maybe everything else i'd have to pay like like literally oftentimes my lunch when i was working there or my whole meal for the day would be like i would go there i'll get one chicken strip and two potato wedges and it would cost me like a dollar 30 and then after work i would go get like a chicken sandwich from carl's jr and that would be like a dollar something and that was like all i could afford you know and i just i hated it man i hated it so That's when I was like, after I freaked out, I'm like, yo, dude, like, I'm either going to go full in with the swimming thing and and just fully trust myself, trust myself, start charging what I'm worth for this and like, just fucking go, just go, you know. So finally, I man the fuck up. And I'm like, you know what? Fuck that. I'm not going back to that fucking job. I'm going to do this shit. Excuse me. And, um so I'm like, yo, like, fuck that, so I start, um, I just start grinding it out, and I start advertising, and I start fucking just telling everybody, finding kids, babies, going to every fucking Red Cross meeting I could go to, going to every fucking pool meeting, fucking whatever, symposium, you name it, started going to all of these things, and, like, just started kind of making a presence, and, like, we kind of would come with this, like, purposeful, um, presence you know like we would kind of be like the scary new guys where it's like what the fuck are these guys doing because everybody in this is like older and like very reserved and like i came in and would have like tattoos and i would wear all black with white print and it would just be like super intimidating looking and like uh, my hair looked different i look different the way i talk was different and it was like kind of like yo like what the fuck and i was just doing it just to be like yo like i'm here you know this doesn't really mean anything other than like i'm here so um so going back to like why the fuck i think i was cooler <laughs> is because it's like i was doing all this i was grinding and i was fucking driving in these cool ass cars dating the hottest fucking girl you know it was like having the girl of my dreams and like uh it was just dope you know i was like i just i would just i was just getting whatever i wanted and like um you know i had a dope ass motorcycle fucking all this shit um So, oh shit! All right, so you know what? Um, Our camera just kicked the bucket, but uh, it's all good. So, what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna take a break real quick and just kind of touch back on. (laughs) We'll we'll pick up on the story. Um, So we'll be right back one second. Here, all right. Welcome back, guys. Appreciate it. So, just to pick up where we left off. um, So. so like why i thought i was so fucking cool (laughs) um so i so keep in mind i'm fucking 20 i want to say by this time um seven so i was like 22 years old yeah so i'm 22 years old and uh this rich hot ass girl i'm with is 31 or 32 and so i thought i was a fucking shit dude i'm hanging out in mansions fucking smoking blunts in the pool in the fucking house it was just fucking crazy and um it it was like i I thought i was a fucking rap star you know what i'm saying that was like legit how it felt (laughs) and then after that um i started getting into personal development and i'm just fucking you know like oh backtrack a little um no oh duh how can i even forget this another thing i'm into is surfing um i fucking love surfing oh and i forgot to mention all my sport street bikes i forgot that's a whole other thing but i love street bikes too <laughs> uh so i started surfing actually right after i broke my neck so i started surfing in november of 2008 and i started surfing in san diego storm winter storm water which if you guys know then you fucking know that's just pretty damn gnarly especially to be a fucking brand new beginner fucking barney i wasn't even a kook yet dude i was just a full-on barney dude um but what i did was i was so fucking hooked and so determined and like why in the first place was because the doctor he banned me from uh riding motorcycles skateboarding or surfing and when he told me surfing i was like hmm, like, I grew up in a town of Asian gangsters, like, nobody fucking surfs, you know, like, I don't even know anybody who surfs, so, what I did was, I went up on a board, a fucking Costco board, a WaveStorm, Team WaveStorm, shout out, <laughs> and WaveStorm, y'all, bro, oh! um, and, uh, fucking, I literally went every single day for an entire year straight, literally every single day, I broke my fingers. I broke my pinky fingers six times. Um, I would just fucking tape it to a popsicle stick or a plastic spoon, and then fucking wrap the whole thing up. And then I would throw on one of those bodyboarding gloves where it's like it separates your fingers. But I would stuff two fingers in the one hole so it would hold it even more secure, and that way I could still paddle without putting all the pressure on the rest of my hand. But I look like a fucking maniac because I have a suit that's an extra large and I'm a large. And if you're a surfer, you know how big of a difference that is. <laughs> it's like a gigantic difference. Like your suit can suffocate you if it's that big of a size difference and the wave hits you like it'll literally go over your head. So what would happen is like my suit would inflate. I'd be walking around with the Kool-Aid man fucking like legs and and everything like you would just be filled with water and be like like flubber and shit. And um, so I had that. Uh, and of course, it was the kook ass colors, too, where it's like that off gray where like the main suits like this weird black and then it has like weird blue in it. And then like this weird gray. It's like this blue and gray. That's this particular like, yo, I'm an off brand suit. <laughs> like You can spot it a mile away once you like know wetsuits and stuff. So I had the kook ass wetsuit that's too big, the fucking one bodyboarding glove when it withn't I would have one hand broken. Um, and I had a fucking big blue wave storm <laughs> with zero instructions. <laughs> so yeah, <laughs> all I had was stubbornness, so like and just determination, I guess, because I just kept fucking going. Once I rode once for like a couple seconds, I'm like, yo, this. Is the shit like hooked dude hooked like they say once you get bit by the surfing bug you're infected for life and that's a fucking fact man um so so that's how i started surfing and i actually even started teaching surf lessons on the side well by request i should say um because that that kind of keeps the spirit of it alive for me surfing is almost like a like a spiritual not like it is a spiritual experience for me when i go out so I, it's not something i want to sell i just want to give it to people who seek it um yeah so it's interesting because i started going so much people were just like oh can you teach me can you teach me i'll pay you i'll pay you so that's another thing i firmly believe in is like if you do what you love to the fullest people will just start paying you and that's what i'm trying to do here with this podcast too honestly is like i've go i've had so many crazy experiences that people are like you you really did that and i was like yeah dude like and i got and i know people and there is people who do even crazier shit and i want to pick the brains of those people you know Mm -hmm. um so that ties back into like this whole ego part of me is like i want to for where was i going me thinking i'm all cool um you know the hot older girl Oh, driving around nice cars, smoking a lot of weed. Oh my god, I, I was smoking like an ounce a week, dude, like a zip a week back when a zip was like three fifty standard. That pff, stupid. Yeah, that it's it was stupid. Um, so I, and this was back in like two thousand. Well, shit, I was already smoking fat back in the day, but like, I don't know, two thousand eight. So it was still like pretty illegal you know um but yeah i was like i was smoking fucking i don't know anywhere from like 5 to 12 blunts a day and just fucking going ham back then we would fucking roll up uh we'd roll up an eighth backwood and it had to be an eighth if it was anything less than an eighth it couldn't go in a backwood and just a little history lesson for you people if you don't know a lot of these youngsters are out here smoking backwoods and they don't even know why they're smoking backwoods why are you smoking backwards? why why do you even know why because your homie's like yeah because fucking you heard somebody say it like do you know why where did it come from who started it come on you guys if you don't know this you ain't a fucking west coast hip-hop fan or a real west coast pothead because the answer is mac motherfucking Dre mac dre we smoke backwards because of mac dre period period <laughs> if it ain't a backwood it ain't all that good so what i'm saying is the reason is because mac dre and his songs would mention you only smoke we smoke backwards because it's the most expansive and that's why it's just a flex you know what I'm saying? Like a lot of people out here smoking it, or they'll be like, "Oh no, those ones are too expensive. I'm gonna smoke a fake backwood." And it's like, or "Oh, these these backwoods are cheaper." And it's like, bro, hold on. If your backwoods are cheaper, it what? <laughs> the whole point is to flex. Like that's the whole fucking point of smoking a backwood is the flex. Like, yeah, you can enjoy them and you can and have a preference to them, obviously, but. That was why you would buy them because back in the day, it would cost $12 for a pack when Swishers weren't even $5 a pack. You know what I'm saying? So, like, that's that's where that comes from. So, if you don't know, go listen to some Mac Dre and uh, get gamed up because you're fucking tripping if you're trying to grow up in California or a rap fan and not know Mac Dre like that's like me you heard when i was mentioning who i like for music like i didn't throw in like east coast rappers but it's like come on dude like of course i know who krs1 is like of course you know what i'm saying like shit like that it's like there's just some shit you should know know, (laughs) so um so going i don't even know how i got off on that tangent but uh what i was gonna say was like so i started doing a lot of personal development work back in 2012 um I started that. I started doing meditation, going to meditation retreats. Uh I started, you know, would do mushroom ceremonies, you know, psilocybin, do fucking ayahuasca ceremonies, I'd be out in the jungles in Peru. Um I would be out in the jungles in Hawaii. Uh I can't say what I was doing, but I can say uh I was out there and I worked with some medicines and um You know, I I partook in DMT ceremony. That was incredible. Um, Ayahuasca helped guide me through that. And meditation helped guide me through all of that. So that's going to be its own whole fucking episode because that's some crazy shit. So there's a... So I started going on that journey, you know what I'm saying? And it was like... I started really realizing that, like, everything in my life was kind of, like, my fault, my choice, my decision... So how this kind of all ties together a little bit, which I'm surprised I was able to actually do this, (laughs) is like um these choices. So me telling myself I was dumb when I was a kid, me telling myself, yo, never again am I getting fucked with. Um, you know, those choice I made those decisions. This is who the fuck I am. I'm grown the fuck up. And what I made those decisions, and that's who I was since, I'm a, since I was six years old. So what I would do is all the decisions and choices I would make in life as an adult, you know, anywhere, well, until I started doing personal development stuff in like 2012, was like, it was all choices and decisions of a six-year-old. I was acting out everything in my life as a hurt six-year-old. wrong sound effect damn dude (laughs) damn dude but that's some real shit play that back though you know what i'm saying it's like i'll play that song for you by the way my son made that it's fucking ill um anyway side note um so you know going back to the point was like yo like how many other things am i living out in my adult life as a fucking child and I was able to. I started tracing back like my earliest memories. Like, when's the first time I ever felt this feeling? And that's how I was able to uncover. Like, yo, when I was in second grade, this incident that happened when I got laughed at, my teacher called me out, blah blah blah. I decided I was dumb. Holy shit! Dad, did I ever uh, feel like that before that? And then I start going back. Okay, when my sister died, like I kind of felt voiceless, and that's kind of the same like feeling inside as feeling dumb. And then I'm like, okay, well, when did I first experience that even? Like, when's when? Like, how early can I trace this back to? And what I realized was, was that the first time I ever felt voiceless and, like, powerless, I was a little kid in Claremont, and I was maybe, like, six years old, and I had wanted orange juice. And I kept pointing. I had no words. And I just kept pointing and pointing and pointing. Maybe I was, like, eight or 11 months old. I don't know. I was under one years old. And I kept pointing and pointing and pointing and trying to tell my mom. And she's picking me up. She's walking me around the whole house, pointing to everything except orange juice and my dad's trying to like this that this then i'm just like i'm like freaking out i'm crying but like and i it's weird because i remember this and like i couldn't i couldn't say what i wanted and that was the start of like yo i'm invisible i'm voiceless so that's why as soon as some big trauma happened in my life i went straight to like yo i'm invisible and i'm voiceless that's what i made everything mean and then i started looking at life like yo what did I make things mean? All these things in my life, what did I make it mean? You know, me getting cheated on, what did I make that mean? I made it mean that, yo, fuck her. Yo, f- like, fuck relationships, fuck this, da, 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 Like, you know, it just, it created this whole, like, like, what did I make it mean? You know what I'm saying? So once I realized, holy shit, I made all this stuff mean this. As soon as I realized that, it led to, like, me being able to take personal responsibility for myself. And that was when I would look at my ex and be like, yo, you cheated on me? I fucking caused that, dude. I take responsibility for you doing that. I Not like I fucking drove you there and made you do anything, you know, but I've pushed you to need to even feel like that, think like that, or consider that. I wasn't being considered enough to treat you like the queen you are and to treat you like the goddess that you are, and I, I just didn't have enough skills to do that. And it's like, and I didn't do that, and I didn't deliver that, so of course. And it's like, if you're gonna come at me the way that, it, the way that i was coming at her like i would be, i'm not gonna say i'm gonna I would do the same things i'm not a cheater but like i would you know i don't know i understand because i would be i would be asking shit like after school it's like this is the end of high school time you know i'd be like like yo like like what guys did you talk to today yo let me see your text messages who's this online blah 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 blah. what did such and such mean when they said this like that's how I was. I was just looking for something to be like, yo, you did me wrong. I was just constantly looking for her for like yo, how'd you do me wrong? How'd you do me wrong? And that's what I was looking for. And it was like I didn't know I was doing that, you know? But looking back and doing a lot of personal development is like, yo, I totally was doing that. I'm the asshole. Holy shit. I don't blame her at all. Not at all. I don't even believe in blame or fault, to be honest. That's a whole nother thing, is like I fully believe in personal responsibility, and it's like when we blame people or fault others, it's it just doesn't work, you know. And obviously, it's easier said than done because it's easy to still go and like do that or or blame somebody in a roundabout way where it's not directly blame, you know. Um. So, anyways, fast forward a little bit. Like, also, what stroked my ego when I and why I thought it was so cool is because it was like my my story was unique. And people would find me fascinating when I would explain that to them. And that was just like a big deal. And like I'd be in personal development classes and people would be like, "Yo, like, wow, your life is crazy. And I'm like in front of like 300 people. And I was like, damn, that's a trip, you know. But then I realized that, like, like I said earlier, like we all go through the same amount of suck, you know. And if it wasn't for me, somebody dying for somebody else, it was like them getting their Nintendo taken, you know, it was just as traumatic, you know, it's, it was the way we feel, it wasn't the actual nature of the event, it's really the way we feel, that we're left with that matters, so, you know what I'm saying, it's like some people go through crazy shit, and they're just going, yeah, whatever, you know, Um. <clears throat> so within that space, like I started sharing, I started being open, I started being honest, I started like taking responsibility, I started, <laughs> <laughs> Let me make sure I say started, because this is something I work on majorly, and this is even part of why, my last relationship failed but uh so then again i'm like thinking i'm all fucking cool because i'm like honest about my life i'm open i got no fucking secrets i got no weird shit in the background like i am who the fuck i am you know and i'm on this really huge personal growth tip and i'm like making good money i'm just like life is cool you know i'm having fun i started getting good at surfing i'm you know decent at motorcycles i had some cool toys um all this shit, you know, I had the, my dream truck, I had all this shit, and, like, I end up again with a super-duper hot rich girl who's older. <laughs> this time, um, what, 24? Yeah, uh, yeah, I want to say I was twenty. yeah, because I was her for almost two years, so, like, yeah, I was, like, 24, and she was, she wouldn't let me know how old she was for a while, actually, but, uh she was i was 24 she was 41 yeah (laughs) so i was 22 she was 41 she's like a few years younger than my parents i'm like yo this is a trip bro like fuck dude that was interesting but she was cool you know and it was like she had her shit i could easily put it all on her but i'm not gonna do that and i won't do that you know and it was around her that actually like through that relationship i don't even want to call it failing because i think I don't think the universe makes mistakes. Like anything else that didn't work out, it we wasn't supposed to work out. That person, that thing, that time frame was just a life lesson. You know what I'm saying? So, um, it just didn't work out, and that's cool. And like, I think we're just too similar, and our egos were kind of too big, and like we just—I don't know. I didn't know how to listen for one too. That w- that was one thing. I would always be listening to say something or to fix something. I wasn't listening just to listen. It was always to like have a response or or to fix something or to be like, "Oh, my story's crazier." and um you know so like and then again same thing driving around a brand new beamer 20 fucking whatever the year was beamer you know and like uh i just thought i was so fucking cool again you know and it's like i kind of was but at the same time not really <laughs> so like you know what i'm saying like i don't know i just realized like fuck man this is i don't know what the fuck's going on you know so i I don't know. I'm just like going through all this personal development, personal growth, all this shit. And I really realized, like, one thing I learned from my homie Pablo, who passed away, was like, so his uncle had said at the funeral, like, yo, to see Pablo be his truest self was to see him interact with kids. Because he, would, he was like a hard ass Mexican gangster and he was like, like, hard. And but when he was a kid he was like the most gentle like he would roll around on the floor playing with toys like he was just silly and like he didn't give a fuck like he was so hard that he didn't care if you judged him being acting like a child with a kid you know or the little cousins or whatever and um that really led me and pointed me to like yo like fucking kids is where it's at dude like working with kids helping kids helping you know like this is where it's at so like I graduated out of getting in trouble and all this shit, being around the wrong people, the wrong crowds, and, like, you know, finally it's like, fuck, I I start, like, family life, you know? And that was interesting, man. And this kind of, like, comes back up to where I'm at currently is, like, I was with my last girl for, like I said, about six years. And technically... And I call... It's my son. Nate is my fucking son. But, like, technically just for the sake of transparency um Jen had Nate prior to me meeting her um oh I don't know if I'm supposed to say her name but (laughs) sorry, (laughs) it's nothing but love it's nothing but love um so before I met my girl I had is she had she had our uh she had Nate and I met him when he was eight years old and you know i was like we fucking bonded fast and we teach each other so much like that's my fucking son like no matter what dude like that is my boy like that's my fucking son and we just fucking man we've been through so much together all of us and then eventually we had uh my son royal our son royal um he's almost two now and you know we've just been struggling man like communication broke down um I stopped taking her on dates. I stopped doing fun shit, you know, and that in turn led her to just like not wanting to do stuff or express herself or whatever, you know. And then all the times that I would be like trying to fix something in a conversation or argument, rather than just listen, you know, it's like I can see how that pushed her away and like creates distance and like creates distrust within communication and like once communication is broken it's hard to like go from there you know we just kept like trying and trying and trying to like you know we try we were trying everything you know we went to counseling um we had several different counselors and it just no matter what it just wasn't working out and you know it's it's like i have so much love for her and i'll always love her and um you know she's an amazing person and like i know that i could easily point the finger and be like oh this doesn't work because you this 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 and this but at the same time like i said i do my best and i don't believe in blame and like i can only take responsibility for myself and again this is one of my greatest this was one of my greatest fears is to not be with my kid's mother you know um i used to think about that as a kid actually even though my parents stayed together for a long time you know um but I would freaking, ah, uh, man! I would just—I don't know. Like I kind of started going through my shit. She was going through her shit, and eventually, it was just too much. And like, we kind of noticed we're being a bad example for the kids. And like, I would—I, I always want to do my best to live on an, an authentic life, and I know she does too. So, the whole point is to be like a good example and to be happy, fun open expressive loving people and like for whatever reason when we come together it just doesn't turn out that way you know it's like it's all love or it's like or we just get into it and it's like fuck dude like i don't know at the end of the day we're not setting a good example by like forcing this at this point you know what i mean that's not the example i want for our kids and or that we want for our kids so it's like yo we need to do the best thing possible and like you know what I'm saying? Just do what's best for the kids. And like, what's best for the kids is what's best for ourselves. And that's one thing I firmly believe in is like, we have to do things for ourselves. We have to take care of ourselves, number one. We have to. And it's easy to like get out of a relationship and go jump into a new one and all of that. And just like, that's running away and that's on some punk shit. You know, like, it's not about that. Like, we got to actually sit down and I think feel the pain and like, process through this shit, you know? Like we're supposed to fucking cry, we're supposed to feel pain, we're supposed to all that shit. You know what I'm saying? Like like what was told to me is like, how can you be a real man if you don't know how to cry? If you don't know how to feel sad? If you don't know how to take the time to fucking work through how you feel, how can you be a real man? Because a real man can feel all range of emotions. You know what I'm saying? Like damn, dude. That's some real shit though. Like it needs to that's that's just how it needs to be you know what i mean so currently where i'm at is i'm fucking broke as a joke this covid corona shit has fucked up work uh pretty substantially um back at my fucking original house i grew up in it's a little different behind me now and whatever and around cuz it's been remodeled and i've been gone for years excuse me and um just like sucking up my pride and like fuck doing what i gotta do um and starting this podcast like the damn dude podcast like this some real shit this is to me the impossible because speaking up and speaking on camera and being somebody who's been judged as mute or literally that i don't know how to talk i've had that shit said to me over my whole life like, for me to get on here and speak and share is, like, that's the impossible for me. So, like I said, it scares the shit out of me, and that's why I'm I'm going to do this and why I'm doing this. Like I said, you'll see me get nervous. You'll see me freak out in some interviews. You'll see me fucking start tripping and different shit like that, but um, it's all fucking good. It scares me, and being nervous and excited and scared is all the exact same chemical reaction in our body. It's just a matter of what our brain decides to do with and interpret uh and how it chooses to interpret that information so every time i'm scared i just say i'm fucking excited and let's fucking go so i appreciate you guys tuning in uh we're gonna we've got some fucking dope ass interviews coming i absolutely promise you all my life (laughs) um yeah man i appreciate you guys' time i appreciate you guys listening and i appreciate you guys' support so If you enjoyed this, you got anything out of it, if you have any questions that you want me to respond to or or shout out on a live um, podcast episode, leave them on Apple iTunes, leave a five star review and leave your comment or questions and I'll go through them and I'll read them on the show and uh, make sure you get your question answered or your shout out handled or whatever it may be. And uh, yeah, man, that would be fucking greatly appreciated. yeah, I fucking love you guys. I appreciate it. I know there's a bunch of shit I missed that I want to touch on and it's all fucking good in the neighborhood homes. <laughs> um, so yeah, I hope you guys have that, the most absolutely beautiful day, night, evening, whenever the fuck you're listening to this. I'm gonna take you out with the song 10 Minutes to Mexico by Rooster Tail. Uh, that's at Rooster Tail, T-A-L-E official on Instagram. I hope you guys have a beautiful day. Much love. Peace! All nothing. 90 miles, push away.